And that's where the Dr. David Hawkins work in Power Versus Force became really interesting for me. I just kind of felt this natural curiosity and gravitation to understanding what is consciousness, what are levels of consciousness. And once you have an idea of what that is, being able to kind of see it everywhere and you know see lower levels of consciousness around places where, where people are, are angry or they're upset or they're impoverished. And then higher levels of consciousness where people are more generous, where they are more into society or community or, or giving, right? More abundant. In today's episode, I'm so excited to share this with you. This episode, we are going to cover things around mindset. Talk a little bit about my my backstory, my, my origin story, where I grew up, and I think where a lot of my, my original mindset came from. Talk about things that I did to expose myself uh, to my mindset as it was back then. Uh, things that I did, steps that I took to change that mindset and improve it, and then things that you can do to uh, to make your mind stronger, to uh, make your mind more resilient, and open you up to the possibility of more great things in your life when you can improve your mindset. So go ahead, stay tuned, and uh, and enjoy the show. And mindset is a obviously a general term. It can mean a variety of things to different people. I think what mindset means for me is what state of mind you're in, right? And how you look at things and how you perceive things and I think how you assign meaning to things. Uh, and so what I mean by that is, uh, at least for, for this episode, things that I wanted to consciously change about how I thought about myself, how I thought about uh, events that were happening to me, uh, and, and, and just assigning some sort of, of definition around things. And a lot of that changed for me uh, really at some point in 2016, 2017, really when I sort of had a, a, a new spin on life. And I think a lot of that came from the work that I did uh, around my personal development journey. And so in this episode, I'm going to go into more detail about what that looks like. But really the idea here is, you know, all of us are, we've kind of learned along the ways as we are growing up, what's right, what's wrong. Um, our parents teach us, or rather we learn a lot from our parents, from our loved ones on how to react and kind of create a, a definition of how the world operates. And if we're not really careful, um, what our mind tells us or what we tell ourselves can really get in the way of our ability to achieve success, to be happy, to be healthy, to do all the things. Um, and so I feel like the the right place to start for this story is to go back to my backstory a little bit. You know, this is sort of the beginning stages of our, our, our courting relationship here. You're starting to get to know me a little bit. Uh, let me go into a little more detail about, you know, where I grew up, where I'm from. So I'm a New Yorker, uh, even though I live in Georgia now, but that's, that's really the identity that I'm currently holding on to. Uh, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. Um, although I did spend a lot of my formative years, uh, not only in Brooklyn, New York, but also Long Island, New York, and, and, and parts of, uh, of the Los Angeles area of California. There's a kind of a whole story there we won't get into this episode. But uh, I grew up as the son of a, of a first generation or an immigrant Sicilian father. Uh, he came over from Sicily when he was about uh, six years old. Um, and uh, I grew up a lot around my, my extended family. Um, so I have a, a younger brother. He's about seven years younger than I am. But, you know, a lot of the, the first seven years were me and my cousins uh, living in, in Brooklyn, New York. And I had, at that point in time, let's see, my father has uh, one, there's three, 
three brothers and sisters. All of them had at least two or three kids. So there was a, a dozen of my older cousins uh, that were around me growing up. Uh, my grandparents were immigrants from Sicily, very hardworking uh, people, uh, also very hard-headed, if you know anything about the stereotypes of Sicilians, uh, very thick-headed, as they, as they say. Um, and it was interesting, you know, number one, growing up in Brooklyn, number two, growing up in an immigrant family, number three, growing up in New York, all these different dynamics uh, for me as a person, uh, they really influenced a lot of beliefs or conditions that I had around um, treating people, working with people, interacting with neighbors, uh, ideas around money. And I'll give you some examples, you know, growing up in, in New York, if you're from, not from New York or the tri-state area, there's this hardened belief that you don't make eye contact with people, right? You, you you cross paths on the street or the sidewalk, you ignore the other person. And I never really quite understood where that, that originated or came from until I got older and I started working in New York City uh, and doing the same things. I think I realized now, I'm not sure if this is 100% correct, but it just makes sense. Um, there's a lot of crazy people in New York. Um, we're not going to get into mental health issues and, and how that impacts society and things like that, but there are crazy people in New York. And I think what happens is everyone sort of learned this, this learned behavior of, well, you just don't invite unwanted attention into your life. And so how do you uninvite or not invite intention in your life? You, you, you ignore them. You look away, you look down, you look on your, it's easier now, you look on your phone, right? You look on your phone, scroll up things. Um, and so what happens is, you know, once you're out of the craziness, you carry that on culturally into your neighborhood, into your community, into all the things. And so everyone from that point on just learns up to be like, I'm just going to ignore everybody. Right. You know, and in New York, there is this, there is this, this, uh, this culture of like zero sum game, meaning like nobody can, can, can finish better than anybody else. And so if you're going to, if, if I'm going down, you're going down. Um, and so that was kind of part of my, my upbringing, of course, in the New York, like everyone's an immigrant. Everyone's from some third world country, including Italy. I don't have any preconceived notions that Italy is not a third world country. Um, and so they bring with them all of their hardships, right? And so like this hardship stuff just permeates all of New York. So growing up with that, right? Um, didn't have a lot of money growing up, right? So for me, uh, I, I heard stories about how money doesn't grow on trees from my family, seeing what money did to my extended family on the mom's side. Um, you know, they had money, uh, and there was all sorts of crazy drama that went on with that. Right. And as a kid, you don't really understand it because you don't know the dynamics of what it's like being an adult and, and all those things, but you know, being exposed to it, you just sort of see these things while well, like money kind of creates problems, right? Not a good, <laughs> not really good, uh, a good belief. If you want to, uh, become ultra successful, you want to have tons of money constantly flowing into your life. You don't want those sort of beliefs, but that's sort of what gets programmed in. Um, you know, I didn't, uh, my family worked very hard. My dad worked 50, 60 hour weeks, uh, worked overtime all the time. He used to fix CAT scans and MRI machines. And so he would be, you know, he'd be on the road working, right? Um, he'd bust his butt. And, you know, at the end of the day, we didn't really have a lot of extra money left over to get all the extra things, right? So didn't really grow up with a lot. Um, but obviously there was food on the table. So that was great. And I think I, you know, Quick site detour definitely took on a um, uh, the work ethic of my father, uh, seeing him do that, which I think is a, a positive attribute. But still, growing out with not a lot of money, uh, it just made me want to be really hungry growing up. Right, being by hungry, I mean like ambitious to want things because I didn't have them as a kid. So I feel like that was a positive influence, um, you know. And then. 
back to my 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 grandparents. Um, I had heard so many stories of uh, you know I'd see a family photo or they you know take out their photo book and be like, "This is your third aunt or your second cousin or whatever else." And you'd be like, "Oh, you know where are they? Oh, well, they don't talk to them anymore. Oh, what happened? Oh, they had a fight when uh, thirty years ago." So there was this 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 cultural acceptance of writing people off. You agree with them? It's almost like cancer culture <laughs> today, back fifty years ago. Um, but let's just like seeing how you treat other human beings, right? And kind of taking that like, you know, fuck you, fuck me sort of thing, right? Which which I think isn't going to be helpful if you want to be really successful in your life. I mean, sure, there are people that are do that, but that was just some of the programming that kind of went into, you know, this impressionable mind uh, of mine as a young kid, right? And so let's, you know, that's just sort of the backstory, right? So when did that change? Well, if I look back, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show here, uh, at some point in 2016, 2017, I don't remember the exact year. I just kind of have uh, these flashbacks of um, of when these seeds or these ideas would kind of come into into mind for me. And I think uh, the genesis of, of of the start of this was being exposed to the movie uh, What the Bleep, and that was a a show about I don't know consciousness, reality. Uh, it featured Dr. Joe Dispenza on there. Uh, who is a fascinating gentleman. But on the show, I mean, he, he stood out to me as someone that was just saying really interesting things. And I remember shortly after watching that, uh, picking up one of his books. Uh, and at the time, the book that he had out was uh, was called How to Change Your, Your Mind. I believe that's what it was. The book is titled Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. There, I was way off on that one. Uh, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. And the book really just kind of sets you up for ultimately doing uh, these guided meditations. Uh, and I, up at this point, I never meditated before. I mean, maybe I did, but I don't remember it. Um, and it was sort of like, a, not even a scary thing, but this unknown thing. Like, you know, and I think for a lot of people too, the concept of meditation is, is hard, right? It's like, how do you know you're doing it right? seems hard it's hard to concentrate all the all the, the hang-ups on it um and so in the book you know dr joe just kind of walks you through these these frameworks these ideas that your reality is is everything that you've done and, and kind of learned in the past and all the routines and habits that you're doing every single day is is further perpetuating that reality so if you're in these routines of whatever lack misery uh unhappiness, right? And you're doing those same things over and over again. All you're doing is perpetuating that. If you want to change something, you need to start breaking your habits. What are your habits? It's literally everything. It's how you wake up in the morning, your routine in the morning, how you brush your teeth, what foot you stand on when you're brushing your teeth, uh, the sort of conversations. Maybe it's your social media um, feeds that you, you participate on, right? All those things make up your habits. And uh, the book for me at least resonated in it a lot of sense and was very interesting. And so I started going down the path and doing the work in the book to you know break the habit of, of being myself. Now, I don't know if I became someone else, but at least it started getting me down this path of being aware of my thoughts, uh, of being aware of my, uh, my, my feelings and how things would make me feel. And I think that was a huge part of my overall shift in improving my mindset and making positive changes into my life, which we'll get into, into more detail here uh, in, a, in a few moments. But that was probably one of the, the, the largest, most influential parts of the journey for me was being exposed to that that line of thought uh, or that thought process. And then, you know, from that, of course, uh, finishing the book, doing the meditation, starting getting practicing with meditating uh, was 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 definitely part of it. And then I, I believe the next part just continued to evolve as I made the decision uh, in my career to shift careers from IT sales. And figuring out, you know, what does the next chapter, next chapter of my life look like, right? I knew I was very successful in, in IT sales, uh, selling technology to enterprise organizations as a as a computer reseller, um, and doing that 
you know, really, really well, being thankful for that. The problem I ran into is I didn't want to keep doing that for the rest of my life. And I went down this path of how do I figure out how I create income that doesn't really require me to, to work so much. Uh, and there's a whole journey in that. We'll, we'll cover that in another, another episode. But for me, uh, multifamily apartments was my, my getaway vehicle. Uh, and uh, I went down the path of becoming a apartment investor and you know, changing careers midlife at the point I was probably in my, uh, my early 30s or so uh, was a big thing to overcome. And I had to really take on a whole new identity, a whole new persona. Uh, because up until that point, I was a, a computer nerd. I was an IT guy. I was a systems engineer. These were all easy transitions. And then I was an account executive selling IT equipment. Like that's, yes, there was a hang up getting into sales, but it felt more comfortable because I was basically doing that in my previous roles, but not with the official title, right? But going into becoming an apartment investor was something completely different. And so I ran into a lot of, uh, a lot of, hangups uh, and, and limiting beliefs around that. And it's funny, at the time, looking backwards, it, um, retrospectively speaking, it seems all too silly. But I had major hangups on even simple things like like talking to brokers on the phone, asking them questions about particular deals, right? Like that's their job. You call them on the phone or the email and you say, hey, tell me about this project, tell me about this deal, right? I had massive hangups, like I, feelings of unworthiness, uh, feelings of overwhelm, feelings of just like, you know, maybe they'll see right through me that I'm, uh, I, I'm this noob investor guy. Um, and it would like shut down my ability to further have relationships with them or, you know, get deals with them later on. It was silly stuff, but in the moment it felt very real. And, uh, I, I, I know that part of what got me through that was starting to be aware of those those thoughts, being aware of the uncomfortableness that I was feeling as I was going through those experiences, and just seeing like kind of what was going on, observing right the observer, um, and uh, that was a hard kind of a hard part for me, right? Um, also, too, I, I looking back and thinking about this, there were also a lot of elements around uh, lack of mentality, right? This idea that. Um, there's only a limited supply of something in the world, whether that's money, apartments, deals, great deals, uh, customers, right? Insert the thing here. There's like a, a finite amount of it. And because there's a finite amount of it, like my desire to get that thing is going to be limited and, and, and wrought with s- extreme competition. Um, and that's not always the case. And there's better and more healthy ways to think about those things. But until you're exposed to that, until you're shown that there are alternative ways of, of looking at that and, and having an abundance mindset, uh, that was really pivotal and, and transformational for me. I feel like a lot of that came from uh, as I was going down the journey of, of becoming an apartment investor, opening myself up to a lot of uh, a lot of different books around, we'll call it self-help and personal development, whether it's uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, um, or uh, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad uh, from Robert Kiyosaki, um, just kind of going down that path of exposing myself to an alternative way of thinking really challenged my, my, my status quo frame of reference for things and also opened me up to being more observational in what I'm doing, saying, and thinking throughout the day uh, and, and making adjustments uh, when I see fit. Right, like I see myself having a knee-jerk, lack of mentality uh, response to something or a thought about something, observing it and then realizing, okay, well, what is what is the opposite of that? What is the the more productive version of that thought? And then you know, putting that in the practice. Now, none of this stuff, of course, obviously happens overnight. Uh, it's a slow transformational attempt. But you know, looking where I am now, a good 
five or six years later after that point, seven years, six to seven years later after that point, um, it's almost night and day. And, um, you know, as a consequence, not to get too far down the path of, of you know, the, uh, the result of this, uh, I feel like you start to outgrow your then current friends and, and, and family to a degree because you start to really expand it as who you are as a person. Um, and sometimes you outgrow people that don't share those same, you know, new beliefs that you have or new ideas or new ways of thinking that you have. And it can create, you know, conflict and, and, and challenges. And then also you just realize this person's sad and depressing and I don't want to be around them anymore. Right. And that's kind of part of your, your journey as well. So working through lack mentality, uh, working through, um, going through my notes. Uh, you know, here's another funny one. Um, part of the reason you become an investor is to make money, right? That's just how it is. Um, but how much money, like how much do you want? What is, what does success look like for that? Uh, and I remember, and even now to a degree, it's not as bad, but I remember thinking, going through these exercises, thinking, okay, how much passive income is enough each month? Is it enough to just cover your expenses, right? Whatever expenses are, you know, that's it. 2000 a month, 3000 a month, 5000 whatever. Uh, and at the time, like thinking, wow, let's see, it'd be great if I could make whatever, seven grand a month. That would cover all my expenses and, and give me some extra cushion. And then it's like, well, why limit yourself to just seven grand? Would go more than that. All right, well, what's more? I don't know. Let's go to uh, 20 grand. Okay, 20 grand. 20 grand a month. It's 240 a year. All right, that seems good. But like, why stop there? Why not go to 100 grand or make it ridiculous? Go to like a million dollars a month. Okay. Then I run into these, I ran into these weird things. And, and, and you can do this too. Run this exercise through your, your own filter and see how it works out for you. But for me, like this idea of a million dollars, I quickly found myself, like my ego going, what are you going to do with a million dollars a month? Like, you don't need a million dollars a month. Um, like, it's almost like there's a, a, a this, deep-rooted sense of unworthiness for having access to so much money that I, what, I can't spend it. I'm not eligible to have it. Like just weird things that I, I, I notice come up um, that only really come up when you kind of go through these exercises of, of, uh, of thinking. Like what if, what would you do with a million dollars a month? Go even crazier. What would you do with a hundred million dollars a month? Imagine that, a hundred million dollars a month. Like it's one thing that you'd want that Another thing, if you feel like you don't want it or you don't need it or you wouldn't know what to do with it, but like this is the sort of of, of deep rooted unworthiness that that subconsciously I feel like hold people back um, because what you can't do is say I want to be a billionaire or a millionaire, but have these these subconscious things that are holding you back saying money's bad, that much money is really bad, um, you know things like that. And you won't really get to uncover these things until you do the work and, and sort of figure that out. And half of figuring that out, back to the point of, of, of today's show, is about mindset and, and being aware of these thoughts and kind of catching yourself when, when, when they kind of bubble up. So let's transition to a part where we talk about, you know, what did I do, right? What did I do around this? Um, and I, I think, as I just mentioned a second ago, the biggest part was just becoming aware of uh, of these thoughts. And uh, there's a recent uh, Ram Das quote uh, where he says, a part of the soul is the witness and the witness sees your thoughts and your ego. And if you think about what that means is, you know, part of, of our being here is this, this ability to observe, think about like from, you know, top down view, what's going on in our mind, the internal mind chatter and listening in on that and see, you know, what, what's, what's going back and forth over the wires there. 
And I think for me, a big part of, of what I did to improve my mindset was number one, being aware of that. I, I couldn't be aware of that until I was exposed to things um, from people like Tony Robbins or Dr. Joe Dispenza uh, and um, even uh, Dr. David Hawkins uh, in his book, Power Versus Force, which I was introduced to. Um, and opening me to this idea of, of being aware of your thoughts and then also this, this natural curiosity into the subject of consciousness. Um, and that's where the Dr. David Hawkins work in, uh, in power versus force, uh, became really interesting for me. Uh, I just kind of felt this natural curiosity and gravitation to understanding what is consciousness, um, what are levels of consciousness. And once you have an idea of what that is, being able to kind of see it everywhere and, you know, see lower levels of consciousness around places where, where people are, are angry or they're upset or they're impoverished. Um, and then higher levels of consciousness where people are more generous, where they are more into um, society or community or, or giving, right? Uh, more abundant. Um, and uh, again, if you, I, David Hawkins' topics are a whole thing in itself, and, and, and that's not the current goal of this particular episode. I just want to uh, take a moment and expose some of the resources and information and, uh, and sources of inspiration for me through my journey encourage my listeners and viewers to be able to go down, check those books out for yourself, uh, watch some of those videos with uh, with those, those resources, and and have your own experience, right? But um, those are really profound for me. So at this point, I'm, 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 I'm reading books, exposing myself to these new ideas, becoming more and more aware of, of my thoughts and feelings, um, and sort of pruning away the, the incompatible feelings and thoughts that, that pop up that aren't representative of the new me. And the new me is a happier me. And the new me is someone that is uh, is more, way more successful than I could currently imagine in my current state, right? It's this, not far off in a distant, but this, this version of myself that um, that is just super attractive, right? For all the qualities that I want to work and strive for. Um, you know, the other piece too that I, I, I think was important is, is just being, I don't want to use the word critical of these thoughts, and, and incongruent ideas, but just being aware of them and shut them down where they come from. Uh, in other words, like you, you, you see yourself getting really pissed off at someone that just cut you off. You know, if you're going to become a higher consciousness human being, right? You don't flick off the guy or girl that just cut you off. Um, yeah, I think part of the human experience is having those emotions and getting pissed off and letting it go, um, but not ultimately harboring it and holding onto it and letting it ruin your day. Right. Um, I think having the awareness of how your mind can kind of take over and get, feel indignant and feel uh, violated, having that happen and, and letting going on for hours and hours and hours, but also being aware as, as the observer of monitoring that and being like, hey, what's going on here? Right. This is not who I want to be. This is not who I want to become. And you sort of self uh, self select uh, those thoughts and feelings and ideas that you have as a result of maybe how you used to react to certain people. So I think that's really important. Another piece too that I want to share uh, that I, I, I was extremely inspired by was uh, some of the neurofeedback work that I did at a place called the BioCyberNet Institute. So uh, a number of years ago, my wife turned me on to an interview that uh, the founder of the organization, Dr. James Hart, uh, did on a podcast, which reminds me, I think I'd love to have James on my show and talk about his lessons around on things. Uh, but the, the premise is this, uh, Dr. Hart runs an uh, institute where they do neurofeedback. Neurofeedback, for those who don't know, uh, is where you hook your brain up to uh, a, a 
computer system and you're able to measure your brainwaves. It's the simplest way to describe it. And the point of doing this isn't for like funsies. I mean, it could be funsies, but it was uh, in efforts to get real-time feedback from your brain so that you can generate and create more alpha brainwaves. Um, if you don't know, there's a handful of brainwaves that your brain makes, uh, alpha, beta, delta, theta, um, and there's gamma too. Uh, your waking state is typically in a beta uh, beta brainwave state. Your alpha is where you're relaxed. Uh, you're very creative. You're calm. Uh, theta is when you're starting to get a little sleepy, a little groggy. And then delta is when you're asleep, right? That's where a lot of your recovery happens when you're, when you're, when you're sleeping. And so the goal of creating more alpha brainwaves for normal people is to enhance your creativity, to enhance your sense of calm, uh, remove anxiety from your life. There's actually a positive correlation uh, between uh, high levels of anxiety and low levels of alpha brainwaves. So if you are a highly anxious person, I know some people in my life that are, uh, chances are they have really, really low uh, natural generation of, uh, of alpha brainwaves. And they can see positive benefits by working to increase their alpha brain waves, uh, which naturally reduces their anxiety without having to take medication and things like that. So that's really, really cool stuff. But a lot of the work that you do in increasing your alpha brain waves has to do with your ability to work through this framework that Dr. Hart had set up where you're uncovering a lot of subconscious uh, thoughts, uh, uh, scars, and emotions that you need to address. Um, and so it's, there's a bit of therapeutic work that goes on uh, through this process. Um, it's hard work uh, and it's uncomfortable. But I think, you know, uncomfort is where growth happens. And that's sort of the, the, the takeaway for uh, the spoiler alert for, you know, the, the end of the lessons around in the show. But uh, for me, I was really surprised to learn about how much uh, anger and frustration I was, and sadness actually, anger and sadness that I was holding on to, that if you'd asked me in the street, like, hey, you know, would you describe yourself as an angry or, or sad person? I'd be like, no, you're crazy, right? But um, in really uncovering that and seeing the sources of those things, it made a lot of sense to me and having the opportunity to kind of go through those things to peel those layers away because it really wasn't someone that I, something that I wanted to hold on to uh, in, in the future because it was preventing me from becoming a better person, a better father, better husband, you know, all the better things uh, was really important for me to work through. So I feel like the work that I learned uh, and did through that experience with the neurofeedback training was, uh, was very influential on, on my ability to improve my mindset um, and of course, be aware of all the habits and different things that I was I was absolutely doing. And I guess you know, the last thing here that I think uh, is is paramount to um, to improving your mindset is really just doing uncomfortable shit. Right? The more that you can make yourself purposefully uncomfortable, the more you can expose yourself and make yourself unsoft. Um, you're ultimately making your or improving your mindset. And so, what does that look like? You know, exercise, like getting the last rep in, you know, when you're working to failure. Uh, that could be exposing yourself on purpose to, uh, to cold, uh, doing cryotherapy. Uh, it could be uh, hot, hot therapy when you're doing a sauna. Um, you know, just doing hard things, right? Like taking out a task or a project. Like all of those things are all pushing your, yourself to your limits uh, where you're really uncomfortable and your mind's telling you you got to stop, your body's telling you you got to stop, but you know, you're working to improve yourself. And, and, and I really love the saying that growth happens when you're uncomfortable. So exposing yourself purposefully to things that make you uncomfortable ultimately, like, it ultimately make your mindset much stronger and allow you, I think, to take on bigger and better things that you otherwise wouldn't be capable of doing because you're not there yet. Mentally, you're not there yet, right? You're not there yet because you don't have the muscle the physical muscle, but the muscle, the energetic muscle to take on those extraordinary things. 
Um, and I think that's the big takeaway and the big lessons around for this, this, this show today is to have some more awareness onto your thoughts and feelings and, and your emotions. Uh, that's kind of part one. Part two is, you know, decide to, to, to take some action and work on that, whatever that is for you. Right. And then number three is start purposefully exposing yourself to things that can improve your mindset and, and do uncomfortable things. I think those three things are, are great takeaways. They were very influential and impactful for me uh, in my journey, and they could be the same for you in yours. So don't forget, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. More people that subscribe to the show, the Lord encourages me to make more shows so that I can help you grow. So go ahead and subscribe for me, please. Thanks. Thanks.